again, and welcome to the second episode of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. And on this podcast, we're talking to Jan Dolphin, Vice President of Michigan-based Prefix Corporation. Prefix turns dreams into reality with its concept and prototype work for the automotive, aviation, and entertainment industries. Check Prefix out at prefix.com. A quick background on Jan. He's been a major player in the automotive aftermarket for the past 17 years or so. He runs a promotional company for the industry. He's a published author, a contributing editor for various publications, and a professional voice actor on nights and weekends, if that wasn't enough. So how did he find the time to join us today? I don't know, but all I know is that he loves all things automotive and has some excellent insight for us. So let's get in gear with Jan. You know, Jane, I remember it was a few years ago that uh, I came by and visited Prefix and you gave me a tour of the place and really loved it. It was it was uh, an amazing tour. How have things changed since I last saw you? I, I think that was about three years ago, Jan. Gosh, it's been that long already. Yeah. I mean, obviously things have changed a lot in the last few months. Prefix in general, we are very fortunate. We've uh, continued to grow. It's, you know, it's been one of those things where, as you know, from touring the facility, it's a it's kind of a business unlike almost anything that you've ever seen. It's a very unusual type of work, uh, if you think about it, across the country. We're one of the only companies that builds these concept vehicles and prototypes. And, and the skill sets that it requires to do that, you know, makes for a really interesting place, you know, from all the stuff we do in the amusement industry with companies like Universal and Disney to the uh, aviation mock-ups that we do in the, uh, in the aerospace world. And then, of course, automotive, which is really the core of the business. Right. And what are the people that you work with? What are they looking for in these concept vehicles and, and the concept um, on the aviation side? What do they come to you for? What are they after when they come to Prefix? Well, it's, it's a variety of things. Uh, number one, I would say, you know, we do a lot of what is called in the industry corner models or uh, data verification models. And these are crucial models that are created from data, from CAD data, where, you know, let's say the OEM, whether it's Ford, GM, uh, FCA coming to us and saying, okay, here's a new design. We need you guys to build the, the mock-up, the prototype as a data verification model so that the engineers and designers can basically check their work. And it's a crucial step because that's the, the next step after that is where they go to hard tooling to actually go into production. And as most people know, hard tooling costs millions and millions of dollars when you're talking about a new vehicle design. So it's not something that you want to skip that step. You definitely want to uh, see these models, go through the data, make sure everything is fitting the way you planned it to be, make sure that it looks in person like you planned it to look. And then they also check for best and worst case scenarios on the production line with regards to tolerances. So that's a lot of the work that we do. Then you have the concepts where um, they're primarily trying to get the reaction of the market. You know, what does the market think of this new model SUV or vehicle design or, or aviation design? Almost like a focus group, right? Oh, yeah, sure, for sure. But that's where you've seen it change so much over the last you know number of years. When I was a kid and you went to one of the big auto shows and you saw a concept car, I mean, you know, in those days we were thinking that was George Jetson stuff. You know, cars are going to fly and right. the, the wild uh, designs that you saw where you, you knew you may never, ever, ever see that. Where today's concept vehicles are, are far more production intent where 
they're very close to what's going to end up in production. And in many cases, the production model is available on the sh- you know dealer showroom floors a year later. So that's how that whole concept market has changed over the years. And yet there is still a George Jetson element to it. And that, as I understand it, y'all are working very uh, closely on the EV market, the electrical vehicle market, and in autonomous vehicles. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. A lot of the things that we are working on now, a lot of people will never see uh, or see, not maybe before five years go by. So that still takes place because of some of the wild innovation that's going on in the world of automotive and aviation. And we're really, really you know, fortunate to be part of it. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're the first, Prefix is the first company to see the new trends coming. What are kind of the big macro trends that you're seeing over the next five, say 10 years that are already showing themselves now? Um, you know, one thing that we did is we built the uh, concept vehicles for Nikola, which is the big rig truck company. Okay. Um, and we did, uh, with that vehicle, we, we used a lot of what we call uh, structural composites where the vehicle didn't really have a metal frame structure. And, and obviously the Nikola trucks are electric. And so I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of interesting things happening there that are truly groundbreaking and uh, will be a game changer with regards to transportation. Structural composites is something that uh, that we've been involved in quite a bit because with electric vehicles, you know, one of the enemies to electric is weight. And so we've been doing quite a bit of work with the structural composite area to make things not only super strong, but super lightweight as well. And there is a lot of promise when it comes to that. And uh, we're seeing a lot of opportunity there. You know, the other thing that people keep talking about is autonomy and autonomous vehicles. And that's one of the questions I get asked quite a bit is, you know, is it really going to come down to, you know, jumping in your car and watching a movie while you go to the grocery store or whatever? You know, it's, uh, you know, are we really going to come to that day where no one's going to be driving a car? And, you know, you know, it may come to that, but those those days are a long way from now. And as much as people like to say, oh, autonomous is around the corner, it's not. It's not around the corner. Is the technology there and is it creeping on it? You bet. But it's not like you're going to see, you know, where all of a sudden every vehicle being sold will be, you know, self-driving. Um, you're going to see where when you go to an airport and you jump on a, a rental car shuttle, um, you know, the shuttle will be autonomously driven. When you go to a theme park and you get on the shuttle from the parking lot to the gate, um, it's a good chance that those will, in the very near future, be autonomous. Mm-hmm. Again, time will tell. But those are definite things that are happening. Um, but when it comes to passenger vehicles, uh, if you think about it, uh, when these types of vehicles start to become available, uh, it's not like they're suddenly going to go into production and there'll be, you know, 200,000 autonomous vehicles ready to sell. Right. It's going to roll out and there's going to be 50 or 100 or 200. And the cost of those initial vehicles will be outrageous. You know, it will be reserved for people that have such, you know, expendable income that they can afford, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, I can, if I can go out and buy a brand new Lamborghini or Rolls Royce, um, it doesn't mean it's the only transportation available, but if I can afford it and I want something truly unique and special, then that's the market I would be in. And I think that's what's going to happen when you see the first autonomous vehicles hit the market. It'll be super high end, super luxurious, and it will be autonomous, but it'll start to roll out from there. So we're a few years off yet. 
Wow. That must be a very intensive manufacturing process for Prefix. Are there processes that you can discuss that Prefix has implemented that other shops can learn from to improve efficiency and profitability? In in you know much of my consulting years in my career, I would talk to a company and say, well, no, stick with what you do best. Focus on your strengths. And the world that we live in at Prefix with regards to concepts and prototypes, because everything is so new and cutting edge, if a company like Prefix were to, to follow that kind of a, uh, a business model, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. So it's definitely a case where we do have to look at what's new, what's happening, what's going to be happening, and how do we respond to be able to help these companies who depend on us to help them bring these new products to market. Um, so for the you know, for the small shops out there, for the shops that are working, you know, to, to just keep things going in, in these last few months that have been so challenging, you know, I like to tell them that everything you do has a value. And I think some of these shop owners that I meet as I travel around the country and, you know, have the, the four by four shops or the performance centers and that kind of thing, you know, their knowledge is unbelievable. They've got this fantastic base of knowledge from years of experience, expertise in certain things that they deal with, whether it's off-road or whether it's street racing and and uh, race cars or race engines or what have you. And I think a lot of times they they discount the fact that they have this knowledge mm. and and they tend to just give it away, <laughs> you know, right. um, when everything they do is so valuable. And and I've seen cases where somebody will call up and, and I've seen a shop owner spend, you know, 30 minutes on the phone with some guy just telling him what he should do and how he should do it just to have the guy hang up the phone and never come into the shop, you know, and, right. and as, and as nice as that is, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's no way to keep your business going. So I think, I think, Reminding yourself that everything you do has value and and it's great to be able to help someone out and, and explain what your expertise and your experience has been. But, you know, get them in, get them into the shop, uh, have them have them visit you and do that in person to where you're much more apt to get that business. Um, I see so many guys giving their time away, which, you know, that's all we have when it comes down to it. Yeah. And you have a, a long history in marketing. What other or what would be the top three pieces of marketing advice that you would give to a shop owner? Um, well, right now, especially during the current climate, um, one of my words of advice would be don't hide. And what I mean by that is put together some sort of a marketing plan. And the reason I say that is because marketing, unfortunately, is one of those things that gets set aside in, in many cases because of the day-to-day -day operations of the business. You know, there's certain things that are on fire each day that you need to put out, need to address. So there's that core group of day-to-day of -day operations that you're responsible for that you have to do that if you don't do it, you'll feel pain, right, in some form. And marketing, unfortunately, if you don't do it today and don't do it tomorrow and don't do it next week and don't do it next month, you don't feel immediate pain. It's just put off. And then all of a sudden you find that, you know, why aren't the calls coming in? Why aren't we getting the hits to the website? What's happening with our sales totals? And it's because the lack of a plan, a lack of staying top of mind with that core audience that you're trying to attract. And so I really encourage, you know, shop owners to, you know, just sit down with your team and look at the calendar and say, okay, what can we do every single month to stay in front of the audience? And that does not mean that you have to do big time advertising. It means you got to get creative. 
right? There's uh, there's ways to, uh, whether you're going to do a live event or whether you're going to send a promo item out to your top customers, whether you're going to get on the phone with that top core customers you've had over the last three, four years and let them know that you're, you're there and you're ready to help or that you've got a new line of products that you're carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's super, super important to put some sort of a plan together where you can look at the calendar over the next 12 months and know exactly what you're going to do each month to stay top of mind with your audience. And I would tell, you know, I would tell business owners now that uh, if we do get stuck with downtime, I mean, I know they're talking now that there's certain areas of the country that may be affected more than others and they may have to shut down again. You know, what are you going to do? You know, I I have a hard time closing the door and and going home. I just have a real hard time doing that. I don't like feeling that helpless. I feel like if you have downtime in the business, improve the business. Work on your online store. If you have one, fix it up. Get it looking better. Do descriptive copy of the product you're selling online better. You know, just clean it up. Make it make it as good as you can make it. And if you don't have the ability to sell products online, do it. You know, there's there's simply uh, simple options like Shopify and other things that you can do today that allow you to potentially, you know, get your audience and your your sales further out than just your local area. You know, sometimes it's as basic as the, how does the shop look? You know, when you drive down the street, take time to, to instead of driving to your, your shop and stopping, drive past it. What does it look like when you drive past it? You know, is the sign easily seen or is that tree that's been growing out of hand now covering your sign? Are the lights on at night where people can see who you are? I mean, sometimes it's that simple. And maybe spend a little time sprucing up the outside. If you've got time and business is slow, uh, put the employees to work helping make the whole place look better. Get together and brainstorm with your team as far as, uh, you know, customer experience. What can you do to improve the customer experience overall from how you answer the phones to how they're dealt with to how you showcase the products that you're trying to push to how you deliver that vehicle when a customer comes to pick it up? Um, I think there's there's a number of things we can probably all do to improve. And it's times like these where maybe it, it you know, forces us to get off the get off the seat and, and get it done. Right. What would you suggest is the best way to go after that active lifestyle market? You know, who they are and what do you think it takes to serve them and get the word to them that you can serve them? You know, uh, one of the guys that I work with here in in the Chicago market, uh, Matt from Attitude Performance, you know, the way he's been successful doing it is he is is involved. Um, You know, he's a a hunter and a fisherman and – uh, definitely I would classify him as an active lifestyle guy mm. and, you know, he can speak the language and I think that's really important. You know, it's, uh, that would be like me, you know, I'm a terrible golfer. I love to get out there and play the game, but I don't get out more than once or twice a year and, uh, I enjoy it, but I'm definitely no expert. And if you walked into a golf shop and, and I was the guy that was going to sell you a new set of clubs, I'd I'm not going to do it justice. <laughs> I'm not going to understand the, the the motivation and the passion behind it uh, like the guy that you know, plays twice a week. So I think that maybe sends us a message. You know, if, if you are an avid fisherman and, and, and you love a, a great fishing trip to Canada every year and, and you want to play in that market and and you could build Jeeps and trucks and vehicles that would uh, appeal to that demographic, um, Get the word out amongst those groups because that's a that's a language you can speak, and uh, I know that with uh, Attitude Performance they'll they'll put up pictures on all of their social media channels that they work 
of what they're doing on the weekends, you know, the fishing and the hunting and the outdoor activities. And to me, the most important part of the whole sales process that develops that trust and really sets you up as a consultative salesperson is something that I've always called a, a needs analysis. You know, some people call it, you know, probing questions or, uh, or those kind of things. But it's basically a list of questions that you would ask someone that basically it, it does a couple of different things. It, number one, it, it uh, really, truly, if you listen, helps you, it develops a roadmap for what that person's really looking for. And number two, it establishes you as someone they can trust, someone who knows what they're talking about and someone who cares about what they're trying to do. And if you show me that you care and I can trust you and that you're good at what you do, you're the guy that's probably going to get my business. And the only way that's going to happen is with a series of questions. You know, a person can call up on the phone and say, hey, thinking about putting a lift kit on my truck. And if the first thing out of your mouth is, well, we're the best in town. We've been doing this longer than anybody else. And we've got the best prices and, and come on down. And, you know, it just sounds like your typical used car salesman. Instead, it should be questions. It should be, when was the last time you put a lift kit on a vehicle? What brand did you use? How did you like it? What did you like best about it? What didn't you like about it? Was there any challenges because of it? You know, what size tires do you plan on using? What are you going to do with the vehicle once you have the lift on it? Are you doing this for a specific reason? You know, things like that where you can really learn about what makes that person tick. And those are the things, those are the questions. If you actually spend the time and take the time to do it, that will get you, will earn you a more valuable customer than you can ever have any other way. Right. Yeah. What about trends that are going to affect the aftermarket specifically? You know, if you look at some of the uh, the areas around the country that are building these private racetracks and uh, kind of what I call these man cave garages that go along with it, the M1 concourse outside of Detroit, the Joliet Country Club we have here in Illinois um, and others around the country, um, you know, it's it's kind of like a country club, but instead of a golf course, you've got a racetrack. And I think what an opportunity, you know, for the aftermarket to be able to somehow affiliate themselves with these types of facilities and letting those automobile owners know that you're available and ready to help them with whether it's wheels, tires, brake upgrades, uh, those types of things that 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 type of performance driver is going to need. Because I do see that it's going to be harder and harder to find places to, you know, drive our high performance vehicles. And these types of facilities may become more and more important. So I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to have one built by my house. That would be awesome. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I was at one recently and uh, it's still a little out of my, my uh, target buying range with respect to these garages, right. but it is really cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Jan. And it sounds like things are, are going well at Prefix and it sounds like we have an exciting future ahead of us, uh, you know, both in the overall uh, vehicle market and in the aftermarket. Thank you so much for your time today, Jan. Oh, no, I appreciate you being part of it. I love what you're doing here. It's super important. I think the more we can have discussions like this, the better it's going to be for the entire industry. And, and uh, that's what's important. we got to communicate. Let's uh, share ideas and uh, figure it out together. Nobody's an expert at the whole thing. we gotta, we got to work together on this. So I, I truly appreciate what you guys are doing. Agreed. Thank you again. Thanks again, Jan. Hey, now don't forget, you can access all of our podcasts, past, present, and future at theshopmag.com. You can find that link on the right side of the page. Just click on the In Gear with the Shop logo and you're in. 
You can also find our podcast at SoundCloud and Spotify. We should be on Apple Podcasts real soon, but let me double check that with our producer. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, man. Okay, so you should see us on Apple Podcasts coming up here shortly after this is published, and you just look for that logo that'll appear on our podcast page here at theshopmag.com. Also, I want to make sure that you're a subscriber to The Shop Magazine and our daily e-newsletter. You'll find that link at the homepage in the upper right-hand corner. If you're in the business, you're in because it's free for aftermarket pros. I guarantee you'll find something to help your business on a regular basis. Until next time, adios amigos.